a shot of Sambuca in your morning cup, coffee made with eggs, and cops bringing Duncan into Starbucks. This week, it's all about coffee. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This is the place where we explore the great dishes and drinks of the world. At DestinationEatDrink.com, on YouTube at DestinationEatDrink946, and here on the Destination Eat Drink podcast. This week, we're getting wired with everyone's favorite morning beverage, coffee. But first, if you've been enjoying the show, please take a moment to rate and review it on your podcast app. Helping us connect with more foodie travelers is what we're all about, and thank you very much. Coffee seems to be almost a universal drink, and I've talked about it with people from all over the world on the podcast. In this episode, we'll revisit some of my favorite Morning Joe conversations from Italy, Vietnam, Croatia, Serbia, and New Zealand. We'll try super strong coffee, coffee with a shot of liqueur, coffee with steamed milk, and even coffee served with an egg. Okay, I need a pick-me-up, so let's drink. Destination, eat, drink. Robin Giesling is a professional photographer and an expert on the wine doors of Florence. But on this day, we talk about coffee in Italy and our fascination with nuns spotted in the wild. I remember our first trip to Florence, and I love taking pictures. And two of my fa- speaking of street photography, two of my favorite pictures were uh, one was a nun throwing out a bag of garbage into a dumpster. And I don't know why I found that picture fascinating, maybe just that it was so incongruous to what I thought she should be doing at that time. But I love that picture. And the other one is two cops sitting in their cop car drinking espresso from china cups, cups and saucers, you know, <laughs> not. And I, I it, it struck me because it was my first visit to Italy and I'm used to seeing cops drinking out of Dunkin Donuts cups. These cops are drinking from real China in their cop car. And I'm like, these guys have it down. (laughs) Right. right. I mean, I have two very similar uh, experiences to that on a little side note was, uh, I don't know if anybody else has experienced this, but at the Rome airport, the budget airlines like Ryanair and all that, they, their earliest flights are before public transit starts. Mm. So, so many people are sleeping in the Rome airport at night. And I thought I was going to be like the only one. It was going to be all spooky. Oh no. Hundreds of people crashed out the night before for their early, early morning flights. Well, one time I'm sitting there on a bench and I'm just stretched out and I'm like, okay. And I just, I don't know, something told me to turn around and there's a nun in full habit, full habit, like the, the headdress and all of it eating a salad with her feet up on a suitcase, spending the night in the Rome airport. And I'm like, I love that it. Was, was not expecting that either. <laughs> Did not expect but that then, here. <laughs> so then the, uh, similarly with the coffee was um, I saw a, a server leaving the bar and taking a full tray of like six or eight cups and saucers to another building. She was doing takeaway for them and they just trust people to bring their cups back. I'm like, okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> of course you're going to bring it back. 
Because, you know, you don't want to be ostracized the next time you go there. Like, where the hell's my cup? (laughs) Federico, where's my cup? That reminds me, I was just in Washington, D.C. last week for a little bit of business. And this really doesn't have anything to do with Italy, but it does have to do with coffee. And I was sitting, there was nothing open. All the cool coffee shops that I wanted to go to were all closed. So I had to go to Starbucks. And I'm sitting outside on the patio at Starbucks sipping my um, espresso, waiting for my meeting to start. And a cop comes up and he has one of those trays, those cardboard trays, and he's got four Dunkin' Donuts cups of coffee in the tray and he walks into the Starbucks. And I was like, isn't this how the 30 years war started? (laughs) What is going to happen here? I I should have gone in to see, you know to figure out why what is the what is the next thing that's going to happen but I didn't I sat there and sipped on my uh, espresso and went on my way but I just thought you know talking about incongruous things that you see that was uh, that was one of my favorites. Sammy Dunham and Peter Austin are from the UK but spend most of the year in the Abruzzo region of Italy. They tell me about enjoying a shot of sambuca in their coffee in the morning. Sambuca. Another one is not just kept for um, after after dinner. It's drunk in the mornings with coffee, in your coffee. You know, I would go to my neighbor's houses and they would give me coffee and there'd be some pika in it at nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Get the day off so on the right foot, the man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not just, it's not just, they're not just kept for after dinner in a book. So, you know, they are at different times probably to, to what we're used to having a digestive or something added to your coffee. <laughs> so this coffee with Sambuca, this would be what we would call a cafe corretto, um, the, co- yeah. the corrected coffee. And it sounds like it's pretty common to, to have that. Um, how, how is the coffee in Abruzzo? Is there, is there, I mean, in all of Italy, there's this coffee culture. Is it as strong in Abruzzo as it is in the rest of Italy? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a complete social thing. I mean, that's, that's, that's you. And I think that's lovely in some ways that most people would just have that for breakfast and be social and still just, you know, run into a bar, say hello and have their, their coffee and and fly away again. But, um, it's interaction, isn't it? With people, the whole Italian coffee culture. That's right. This is what it's like in uh, in Portugal. Me and my girlfriend have this joke now that uh, coffee isn't coffee in Portugal because <laughs> when you go out for a coffee, it winds up. We did it just the other night. We 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 met some friends. It was going to be for coffee. Seven hours later, two bottles of wine and a bottle of uh, sweet liqueur. Later, <laughs> we were staggering yeah. home. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. what happened? No, it's, it's <laughs> we, we were just going out for coffee. Yeah. <laughs> no it's a social thing it's it's i think it's i think it's really good especially for elderly people you know we for example in the uk that every all the elderly people stay at home they're watching their tvs whereas you know for example here and you they would go to the bar and they would just have a coffee you know it's lovely and they're and they're interacting with somebody at the beginning of the day which means so much yes you know when you're by yourself I think one thing you see a lot as well is that the bars is, um, well, of course, it's furniture, isn't it? But you often see the old plastic chairs and tables just because people are playing cards in the street and uh, they right. might only have one coffee, but they'll hang around for a few hours. And, and you know, often you think these people have known each other all their life, possibly. But uh, 
you know, it's just uh, nice to see they're just finding a way to spend some time together. Tracy Nguyen is a foodie tour guide for Hanoi Street Food Tours in Vietnam. She tells me the interesting story of the invention of egg coffee in Hanoi. Tracy, you mentioned you mentioned earlier that Vietnam is the second largest coffee producer in the world, just behind Brazil. What? Uh, how would we yeah. enjoy? How would we enjoy coffee in Hanoi? What are the different ways to uh, have coffee? Do we just drink it in the morning? What, what's it? What's it all about? Um, yeah, so um, if you go to Vietnam, you will see that coffee shop even full at night time. Um, and uh, we we can drink coffee any time in the day, but it's not like we need coffee to stay awake like you do, but we just drink it for fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and now uh, we have many different versions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, normally people don't drink like um, very condensed and strong coffee. Uh, like espresso or something um, but the, the most popular version of coffee is uh, condensed milk coffee uh, the ice version ice condensed milk coffee that's the most popular one coffee with condensed milk served over ice so it must be very sweet yeah. very sweet right yeah uh, but the coffee is very strong so it's uh, balanced balances it out oh good I like it okay yeah and we can get that anywhere on the street, I, I would imagine. Um, yeah. But I, then yeah. I cut you off. You were going to tell me about egg coffee. Tell me about that, please. Okay. So um, um, egg coffee is um, also an uh, invention um, come out of uh, poverty. <laughs> and there, were, there was a chef who worked in a French hotel in Hanoi. And um, he realized that uh, coffee with milk very delicious but without milk very bitter Vietnamese people cannot drink it um, but we have chicken egg every family has chicken egg so he um, replaced milk with egg and make uh, egg coffee so um, uh, everyone can try the delicious um, milk coffee that uh, he likes egg coffee so what, what do you do do you just whip the uh, raw egg into the coffee is that how it's produced yeah, it's um, more like egg um, custard. Oh, so, um, okay, that makes custard. sense. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's very um, creamy and very uh, foamy, uh, very nice. Uh, some people say that it's more like a dessert. I can uh, imagine. Because the egg is very thick, yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Mary Novakovich is an acclaimed travel writer, and she tells me about Turkish coffee in Croatia and Serbia. You also talked about Turkish coffee. Is is that the well? First of all, describe to me what uh, what coffee is like in Serbia and the former Yugoslavia. Um, we're talking about Turkish coffee, so describe that specifically. And um, is that the main dominant kind of coffee that you would get in Serbia? Um, well, Serbia is a different thing from uh, different society, different um, sort of um, region from from the. The Serbian part of Croatia that my family is from, mm -hmm. and because throughout Serbia you find Turkish coffee all all over. Croatia not quite so much because it's very much of a of a of a Serbian thing. Oh, having said that, Croatians love Turkish coffee, um, but a lot of them will, will they'd rather have an espresso, for example. Yeah, I remember drinking espresso mostly in uh, in Croatia myself. Yeah, but I wasn't looking for Turkish coffee, so it may well have been there, and I just missed it. Well, they would call it um, domaca. 
coffee, as in domestic coffee. And, uh, and you find in Bosnia, Bosnia, absolutely everywhere. And it's, it's very, very finely ground coffee. But what you do is you, you, you cook it. You don't put it, you don't put, uh, put it through a filter. You actually, you, you, you cook it on the, on, on the stovetop and until it starts to boil and you, you, you're stirring it and, uh, and you let it settle for a bit and then, then you pour it. So it's very, very, very strong. And, uh, and quite bitter. And you have to stop drinking it to the point where just before the grounds start to turn up in the bottom. It's, it's very, it's, it's, it's very similar to, in fact, pretty much the same thing as Greek coffee. I don't know if you've ever had Greek coffee. Um, but it's that same sort of thing. So it does give you a massive kick. And, and it, and that's just what fuels the Balkans. I loved, I love the Turkish coffee. And I always give the advice. Don't gulp it down. It's not espresso. You don't do it in one shot because then you wind up with a mouthful of coffee grounds in in your uh, in your throat, which is not a pleasant experience. But Turkish coffee is wonderful, and it's something uh, everyone should try. Now that we know that we can find it in uh, the former Yugoslavia, I'll have to uh, do it on my next trip there. Um, speaking of drinks, you mentioned a little bit the uh, the plum brandy. It seems everywhere you go in the Balkans, they've got uh, they've got different kinds of brandy, plum brandy, and whatnot. Um, talk a little bit about that and about uh, you know uh, where you would have it and uh, how people offer it to you and whatnot. Well, in a in a country in a region where fruit trees are absolutely everywhere, you have to make things with the fruit, and one of them is brandy. So you'll have plum brandy, um, and you'll have uh, grapes as well, which is what which is. Um, Rather like grappa, no version of it. You will have walnut brandy, lots of walnut trees everywhere, and you will have um, you will have quince, you will have cherry, uh, pretty much every every fruit that grows, you'll make a brandy out of it. And it's a lot of it. Obviously, it's all, it's all made at home, <laughs> which means it'll be a lot stronger than the sort of stuff that you buy in the shops. Yeah, yeah, firewater. It's, 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 yeah, absolutely. And you you sort of get used to it. I've been drinking all my well, most <laughs> most of my life. And it's, uh, you have some, you know, sort of smoother versions of it. One of my cousins left his to, uh, to, um, mature for about 12 years and it was absolutely wonderful. And it's drunk at pretty much any occasion. Um, you I, people offer it for breakfast at times. I've been offered, you know, a breakfast brandy and sometimes I, Actually, I don't, very, very, very rarely I'll have a breakfast brandy. Um, but you have it, uh, when, when you go into a house, would you like a, a shot of rakia, um, and, or at lunch or before lunch or after lunch and before dinner and after dinner, dinner. And it's pretty much drunk anytime you have a coffee <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Cor- corrected coffee. We, we called it in, uh, in Italy. Coffee corretto. Yep. Um, actually, no, it, it, you, you wouldn't have it in the coffee necessarily. Oh, oh a shot have, next no, to it. Okay. Next to it, beside it, absolutely yes, and uh, the same way that you'd have, you know, you'd have a grappa and then you have an espresso, and we also have what we call, um, well, we, we call it hot tea, but it's actually shlivovica that's been um, bought, cooked with sugar, and it's like a hot toddy in a way, and it's absolutely beautiful. It's a lovely thing to have on a, on a cold day. L. Armin Jones is the founder of the Big Foodie Food Tours in Auckland, New Zealand. We talk about the disputed origin of the famous flat white coffee drink. I don't think there's very many Kiwis who can uh, get away without a decent coffee in the morning. I was just reading um, on the glorious Facebook a little while ago, someone asking whether they could bring their um, coffee, ground coffee in from Canada because we're quite strict with what you can bring into New Zealand. 
And the the flow of comments on this post just made me howl with laughter. Why would you want to bring Canadian coffee to New Zealand? New Zealand's got the best coffee. Um, it was it was really made me smile. We have great coffee, and we're a lot of our roasteries here are um, you know, roasting green beans. They're blending the the origin of beans that they want. We work with a couple. One in particular um, is Miller's Coffee. With uh, Craig's a, a stalwart of, of coffee production in New Zealand. He's taught me everything I need to know about roasting a coffee bean. Um, we have the flat white, which is a, a double or single shot of espresso topped up with hot steamed milk. It's not a latte. It's slightly different. Um, and there's always the, the banter between the Aussies and the Kiwis who came up with the flat white, but we'll hand our, put our hands up for that. Um, there's a lot of roasteries. There's a lot of independent coffee roasted here. Uh, yes, we've got Starbucks. Yes, we've got a, a couple of chains, but you can't go through any of the major towns or cities without coming across a really good um, roastery and a really good coffee shop. So leave your syrups at the door, leave your demi, capo, almond, flappy, whatever it is. Come and try some New Zealand coffee. You're never going to go wrong. It's so good. I mean, the coffee is so good there. And I love the flat white, but you said something interesting. You're going to put your hands up. Does that mean you're not going to take sides or that you're going to let the Aussies say that they invented the flat white? Because this is one of my favorite food fights is that <laughs> who invented the flat white? Did it come from Sydney or did it come from New Zealand? Oh, I think I've spoken to so many roasters about this and people who've been roasting for, for 25, 30 years. I will always bow down to Craig's knowledge in this. He says it comes out of Australia. Um, I think we make it better over here. So we'll just we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Fair enough. I do want to ask you one more question about the flat white, though, because this is the reason why. I've seen flat. Now, flat whites are pretty much ubiquitous. You can get them in Lisbon now. In fact, in my city, that's significantly smaller than Lisbon. There is a place that just opened five days ago. They have flat white on the menu. And I think it's the first place to offer flat white in our city. But you can see flat white. Every, I mean, Starbucks even has flat whites now. But here's my question for you, El. So you've got your espresso and then you've got your little uh, foamed milk on top of it. But my understanding was that the milk was foamed a little bit different to have microbeads on top of the espresso with the flat white, whereas a cappuccino or a latte, it's more foam with bigger bigger bubbles in there. So it's it's a lighter kind of uh, foam that goes on top. But I was talking to some baristas who said, yeah, maybe it was like that before, but now basically we just foam all the coffee the same way. And flat white or cappuccino, it just is how much of the foam you put on top. My question to you is, as an Aucklander, do you think there should be and is there any difference between the foam that you're putting on a flat white and the foam that you're putting on a latte or a cappuccino or something like that? So cappuccino's got the foam on it, whereas a flat white has the steamed milk, which is the velvety, um, you know, more of a, a microphone and it's smoother and silkier. So you've got a much creamier texture rather than a foam. Um, so you're you're having a much smoother coffee than a, a, a black coffee with a white foam on top um that's how i would describe it to to people there's more more time spent with making the milk more velvety than just having that milk with froth on top um, as you would with a cappuccino the latte flat white side of things lattes to me tend to be 
um, stronger, whereas flat whites are, are more velvety and um, smoother. Does that answer that question? <laughs> A- absolutely. And I, I kind of led you down that road, but I think... I, I think you're kind of agreeing with what I'm saying is that they're they're really two completely different things. And in I don't know, you you live in New Zealand, so maybe you haven't seen this, but it's kind of become now just there's one kind of, of foam milk that goes on top of everything, rather than flat white being its own distinct kind of uh, milk coffee drink. So Anyway, I'm glad you confirmed that for me because <laughs> when I'm right, I'm puffing out my chest and saying, see, I told you, you're not making it right. Okay. Ending the episode on a little righteous coffee indignation. <laughs> I like it. We'll have Elle on the show next month to talk more about Auckland and the big foodie food tours. That's just a little preview for you. If you want to listen and hear more from my guests, check out the show notes at radiomisfits.com slash DED257. I've got links to their episodes. Well, that's it for this week. Next week, it's Kat Neville talking about the new season of her great TV show, Tastemakers. So don't miss that. And while you're waiting for it, we've got lots of food and travel at DestinationEatDrink.com. You can also sign up for the free monthly newsletter. I just published a story about a bone chapel where a duke was murdered. It's quite the fascinating story and plot. Read that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. I also just posted a video about some of the best places to get pastel donata in Lisbon. If you're coming to Portugal and want to have a pastel donata, here are some of my favorite spots. It's the second video on pastel donata. So between the two, I'm sure you're going to find several that you really like. You can watch that video by clicking on the videos tab at DestinationEatDrink.com or on YouTube at DestinationEatDrink946. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and Ed Silla, who loves a shot of Sambuca in his coffee, just without the coffee. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.